Welcome to Call Your Hits, a Storm Riders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about our very last Airsoft game of the season for 2023. As many of you know, uh, we live in Canada, which means that it's cold, it's uh, snowy, slippery, icy, and so on. And generally speaking, the open games that we play on weekends tend to close out for the winter for several months until the spring where it's the snow has melted and it's once again sort of safe to uh, to play on the field. So last weekend... let's say, spoilers, well, it is cold. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. And I mean, the cold is, is certainly one thing, but I think for us as well, like the field that we play on has a lot of CQC, like in the village and stuff that you would have seen on some of our previous videos. And, you know, slipping on ice is no fun. Uh, slipping on those fields is is possible any given time i've done it many times um but uh, with the ice in particular it gets a little sketchy so it's better for I, us not to play not that we haven't done it but yeah i like my limbs in their current sort of working condition um much yeah, exactly. better than i like them not working at all <laughs> so this was the last the, the last open games now so there will be an occasion i'm sure for us to get together um for airsoft either indoor maybe doing a private game on uh, you know if the if the weather cooperates and we sort of see, but this was sort of the last one. So we we treated it as sort of the season wrap up. We had some conversations about, you know, what did we accomplish? What did we accomplish this season? What has, you know, the high points and low points, things to work on for next year. So we'll, we'll share all that uh, with you as well. Um, and really, I mean, this is, uh, this is sort of it until we start looking towards the next, the next season, right. In 2024. And so, We'll talk a little bit about what we're looking to do with this off season in terms of in terms of our, our gear and kit and stuff. Not that we're going to take a break from the podcast. There's just lots to talk about. Lots of people around the world playing airsoft as well, but this is sort of it for us. So, and um, you know, Phil and John will uh, will have that little interlude in the middle uh, during the the worst part of the break where we're jonesing for airsoft the most. They're flying off to play at Iron Horse. So, like, well, no, not anymore because they've moved Iron Horse till oh. June of next year. So, oh. uh, well, yeah, there will be none of that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how up to date I am. <laughs> yeah, there will be none of that for for us. Um, but yeah, so um, you leave the group chat for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, so so this weekend we we headed out to the uh, to the open game. Uh, I haven't um, been playing airsoft a whole lot uh, recently, just because physically I haven't been very well. Like my body has been broken broken up a little bit from a lot of the training that I was doing over the summer, uh, hurt my foot doing, uh, doing trail running. And then most recently I, I bruised a rib, right? So it's an intercostal sort of muscle bruise. So that means I didn't actually break the rib itself, but it's sort of the muscles in between that are strained, which is not super comfortable. Um, it turns out that uh, running is really good for you until it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just like anything. I mean, if you take a fall, you take a spill, whatever, you can you can hurt yourself. And as we've mentioned before, you know, we're not getting any younger. And yeah, I'm totally. certainly I mean, starting to feel my age. Sword fighting is also really good for you until it isn't. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't bounce back from injuries as quickly as I used to. But that's this is beside the point. I think the it was the last game I'll of the season. I'll get you a walker so for figured, Christmas. It'll match mine. Yeah. <laughs> I would like a bubble, please. Just yes. a bubble. So I can roll me around, right? Forbes. Put a gun for it and it will be all set. I can still play airsoft. <laughs> um but i think pat and i i mean for for various reasons we're not feeling like super great um coming up on saturday but we figured well at the very least we can go out there it's the last game 
and um, we'll we'll see. I mean, in my case, I'll see if I'm up to playing or, or uh, what have you. So, all this being said, um, we hit the field on Saturday, and the weather was okay. They were calling for a bit of snow in the afternoon, but in the morning it, it was fine. So, um, and it wasn't too too cold yeah, either was, at the uh, time. It was pretty nice. Um, you know, towards the end of the game, it got kind of like snowy and not nice, mm-hmm. and um, the guy stayed and took photos. Um, I didn't dress for the weather because I'm a Muppet. <laughs> so I'm in the uh, group photo and you can, um, if you're on our Facebook or any of our social media, you can see uh, us looking very snowy indeed. And then me piecing yeah. right out of there because my hands were turning colors that it's not good for your hands to be. <laughs> yeah, really? So I think right off the, right off the rip, I mean, we didn't have huge numbers for for that day. We had um, the, the us on the team. So I think there was uh, what, like, 10 of us, eight of us, something like that. Not a huge, not a huge number. Yeah. It was a a very small game, but I mean, like, um, it both was, you know, like it's the last weekend in November. So like a bunch of sales were on the go hard for people to get time off if they work, you know, retail, which some of our younger community members do. Mm -hmm. And just, it was supposed to be super cold and people went, "Eh," which I can respect. So, yeah, totally. And I mean, so aside from us, um, there were four other community members who who were there. So we had um, Etienne, Jack, uh, Sasha, and Caden. So four four guys, and the rest oh, and the rest props of us to them for coming out. You know, Absolutely, that was super good. Huge props. And what we were able to do, um, we did a couple of like warm up games, you know, sort of in the village. And this was an opportunity for me to test out my bruised rib, my 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 injury. And so played the first game, and I realized that you know what, running around. Uh, did not feel great. And I'm in a position where I really, I- I'm concerned that if I take a fall, I'm really going to hurt myself uh, or I'm going to make this injury much worse. So I played in the village a little uh, for that first game. It was okay, but I was like, I know that I'm going to slip and fall today with the, you know, the little bit of snow that we have, the snow that's coming down. Like I know it's it's going to happen. So I decided to err on the side of caution and the fact that, you know, my, my rib was hurting and let, you know, let this be a bit of a, a warning to, uh, to all of you, like these types of injuries, you know, you really need to let them heal. Um, and if you're going out there and doing something stupid, then an injury that could have taken, you know, four weeks, three and a half weeks to heal now suddenly takes two weeks, and then you heard it again, and you're up, you know, your timer is reset to four weeks or potentially longer if you make it much, much worse. Like if I have an inter, uh, intercostal bruise, well, if I take a fall and actually break the rib, then I'll be out for six months, right? Yeah. So, like, or maybe not quite six months, but yeah. It's both, you know, really easy to uh, make that sort of thing worse. And like, unfortunately, very hard to be like, no, I'm going to be disciplined enough not to go do stuff I want to do, right? Yeah. So in my case, lemons to lemonade, right? So we, I had already been thinking about how could we do some different game modes um, with the community, things that people had never seen before. This was spurred on by an idea I had for um, a a new scenario next year, like one of maybe our early scenarios, maybe even the season opener. And that was really inspired by the conversation I had with Jordan about uh, Operation Scapegoat that StagOps ran. Um, the one that he was talking on the podcast last week about, um, I was really, you know, compelled by what he was talking about, how they don't have huge numbers, right? This was a game where they had 25 players and then op four being the, you know, the, 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 the stag ops red team or whatever. And I'm like, you know what our games have, 
our big games have like 40 to 50 players, right? That seems like something we could replicate. And so I'm thinking, well, how can we do that in the community in, in a couple of ways? One is obviously the logistics of it. So our field is smaller, all this kind of stuff. But two, one of the things that, you know, our listeners might not realize, we've talked about it, I think before, but it's, there's the maturity of the community in terms of what are they coming to Airsoft to do? right? What are they familiar uh, as being possible with Airsoft? And we expose them a little bit more to that with the last Refuge games this year. You know, the idea of like, oh, there's role players, these guys, that's not Pat you're talking to, it's the village elder, and he's got stuff for you to do. And like that aspect of things. Jokes on them, Pat is the village elder, look at me. Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's so true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so for, for players who's never, who've never experienced that before, like we had a lot of moments that were like, oh, that guy's going around with a case that says TNT on it. What am I supposed to do with them? And for you as a ref going like, I don't know, man, you figure it out. Tell your commander, you guys as a team, you know, figure that out. Like that's say hi. Yeah. (laughs) And so part of that, and I mean, this is sort of dipping into the, the recap of the season, but I think we're, we are exposing people in the community to airsoft. Uh, in a way that they haven't seen it before. And actually, it was really hearkening back to games that we used to do up at uh, Redcliffe all the time, back back in, back in the day, um, and, see, and sort of modifying them, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And, and I think a lot of that came, you know, for me, and I don't know about you, but not necessarily boredom is probably not the right word, but I'm sort of tired of doing the same stuff. And, like, running games is fun, but, like, yeah. And, like, I mean really one of the things that's uh i think relevant to talk about is just part of the reason and like a non-trivial part of the reason that we run games and organize games and try to provide people with new gameplay experiences is that the hope is that people will then run stuff that we can play in you know mm-hmm. um and so you know it works well in that way and like phil and i um run games and then like this weekend phil essentially was running the scenario for most of the day um Mm -hmm. which was great you know like he doesn't he doesn't mind doing that and our teammates who were there got to have a blast right and that was useful for phil because he's trying to think about this in terms of designing and redesigning it for more play uh you know next season and for uh, making it part of the larger operation game and stuff like that so he got feedback from people who know the kind of critical feedback he's looking for and are willing to give it to him because they're our friends. So they're like, yeah, this sucked. Okay, cool. We'll fix that. Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. Which is very helpful. Um, You know, and to some extent, the smaller turnout actually probably worked to our advantage there in that the people who were there were dedicated enough that they were like, yeah, we'll try whatever, you know? Yes. And, and, you know, small council, (laughs) right? Like, uh, you know, it's easier to get feedback from like three or four people than it is to try and, ask for feedback at large from 20 people and then nobody speaks up because nobody wants to be the one person bringing something up. Um, And also because I knew exactly what everyone was doing, it was very easy for me to be like, hey, specifically tell me about this thing. So just to to recap, what we were doing was similar to um, what Jordan had described on the podcast last week. We were setting up a very specific objective for a team to come in and complete while you had a team of demo soldiers, right? That's what we call them in Canada, but basically op for, right? Of guys whose job is to not let the other team win, but to operate within certain parameters that enable the other team to do what the what they need to do. So obviously it's winter here in Canada, which means that there's not a lot of foliage on the trees. 
right? So part of this is we want the team to be stealthy. But if you look through the forest, you can see people clear as day because there's no foliage to conceal them, yeah, right? Line of, line of sight is normally like 50, 80 feet, 100 feet. Um, right now, line of sight is the field. <laughs> well, and it's not just that. Like you, in some cases, there's opportunity for you to hide in a tree or hide in a bush or whatever if you want to actively hide yourself. That's not possible right now because you, there's nothing to really hide behind, right? Even the coniferous trees, I mean, you know, they're not, their needles aren't coming down to the ground, especially not on the fields. In the woods, it's a different story, but on our fields, they're manu manicured, so to speak. I mean, not like, you know what I mean. Uh, point is, it's, it's hard to hide. So we told the NPCs or the other players, the demo soldiers, guys, if they're trying to hide, let them. If they're out in the open, fill your boots, as my shirt says. Um, but yep. if they're trying to hide, just let them do the thing. And that took a little bit of sort of getting used to, but ultimately I think it was fine. And I think in the context of an op where maybe op four is all people who are like Stormrider staff, it would be easier to manage that side of things. That's one thing. I'm like, I think people... Um very genuinely gave it the college try. Like I think folks who were out, mm -hmm. um, you know, took it exactly how we planned it and how we wanted it to go or how you wanted it to go. Um, so yeah, it, it worked virtually without a hitch. Like there was a lot of stuff. It's like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll tinker with this as we go. But yeah. But, and I think Pat, I mean, like this is the first time that certainly, certainly the first time that a player like Jack or a player like Caden, um, would have experienced a game where it is absolutely possible and even desirable for you to finish the game without shooting a single BB. Yep, and like we've right? um, we have played around with that as a game mode thing a bunch of times in the past. Especially we've done, um, I mean, really like full day scenario games where ultimately one team's best chance at winning was not to get into gunfights. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And, um. So getting to take that to a group of players for whom that's like completely the polar opposite of every game they've ever played. Yeah. Partly because, you know, the frontline field, um, I won't say doesn't accommodate that kind of gameplay because obviously we figured out a way to make it work, but at a baseline is not designed around that type of gameplay. Totally. Yeah. Um, you know, like <laughs> for the most part, medium range fights are like the bread and butter or close. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to mention the fact that as a business, their model involves getting people to shoot paintballs, right? Because they sell paintballs and they make money off of them. Yeah. Uh, Airsoft obviously is a bit different because, you know, BBs are not a, not a margin item yeah. like paintballs. I was going to say, are. by but, comparison, our El Chipo. Yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you want to have a field where people shoot all the time, right? So the, the fields are designed with the, with the intent in mind that people will be shooting as much as possible. For those, right? for the Archer fans out there, suppressing fire is the game. <laughs> like. Yeah, exactly. So we, we set it up, we set up one game Can where... you say light machine gun? <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, for, especially for, for paintballers, like for airsofters, you know, whatever, but like for paintballers, you can hear how much they're shooting and it's wild sometimes, oh, right? Yeah, it's, it's just but absolutely I think, nine sandwich. I think like, <clears throat> um, like mostly we're, uh, when we're playing and there are paintballers on the field, they're playing... Um, like their birthday parties and stuff like that more so I think than like uh, the local paintball scene because they usually play on a different day. Mm -hmm. But I swear to God, I've I've heard birthday parties and I'm like, okay, it has been 14 seconds and they have collectively all dumped my current loadout. Like I'm yeah, if or I, like if, I, if I were playing, I would parties. have no mags. Like I'd be <laughs> yeah, completely totally. empty. And it's like, 
But okay. so, so coming back, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, coming back to it, like, so what we were able to do is set up a, uh, an objective where both team, uh, so the team had to, the, the attacker team basically had to go and overturn two pylons that were set inside of this this rectangle around the big fort and the wood field and stuff. And then on the outside, there's basically a path that runs the entire circumference of the of this, this area. So we had one team of players uh, going clockwise and just patrolling in like a normal patrol fashion. And so the intent was that the attackers would observe the patrol and then use their movement to move and try and get the pylons and knock them over while the team was elsewhere on the field without getting caught, right? So after a while, I think the teams were able to execute on that. And that was, it, I think for me, what was really cool is watching both of the teams and how they were they were interacting because you had the attackers who were trying to be really sneaky and really stealthy and stuff. And then you had the the defenders, the patrol, who obviously could see the attackers because as we were saying before, you... There's no way to hide, right? They're just all there. Um, and then, but they're also changing their behavior so that they're not like just pretending to be dumb and stupid guard or whatever. They're being smart, but they're also not being aggressive. So they're in a position where if they were to take fire, they were to take contact, they can move, they can, they can, you know, get in good cover. Like it was really cool to observe that happening in real time. And that was largely unprompted. Like once I, you know, I told them this is what you got to do. And they were like, yeah, sure. And then they sort of organized themselves yeah, and it showed they were given a, level... a lot of latitude to sort of figure out yeah. what they wanted to do. And, um, like I, the cool thing also was that like over the course of the morning, uh, the team got re like teams got remixed and like shuffled around and mm -hmm. stuff. And each combination of people did that a little differently. Yeah. Um, which was fun to watch. <laughs> uh, what was really interesting though, for me is the very first or one of the very first modes that we did, um, this was, and I mean, it was not really by design, but I'm glad it worked out that way. It was two storm riders and Sasha, who's one of the, the employees and one of the refs at the field. Um, and he didn't need to ref because a, it was a small group and B I wasn't playing. So I could do the actual refereeing portion uh, if it needed to happen again. He, didn't he got a really to. good morning out of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, but it was, so it was two storm riders. So it was Matt and it was, who was it? It was Matt and it was Kirby and it was Sasha. Yep. And then they were the, the op four, right? The demo soldiers, red team, whatever you want to call it. And the other team uh, of attackers, it was uh, E.T., uh, Caden, um, Jack, and I feel like there's somebody else on that team at the time. But anyways, Matt? they... Yeah. Um, no, okay, so sorry. I, I got it I got it reversed. It was... It was Kirby was... Um, wasn't playing at the time, but it was definitely Matt and Sasha and uh, Matt, Sasha, and someone else. No, Matt, Kirby, and Sasha. Anyways, I'm getting uh, all mixed up. The, it does it, it's the younger guy was with them. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the the details are irrelevant. Ex sorry, the uh, listeners for all this mix up. But anyways, point <laughs> is, you had three really, really, really skilled guys on the on the defense, being the op four, and you had the four guys, and they moved into possession and basically started attacking right off the rip like you would in a normal game and they got completely demolished yep. by the defenders and that's exactly the point it's exactly the point because we want the team who's attacking to think about okay i don't want to fight those guys if i can't avoid it it was nice oh perhaps we shouldn't have done that moment <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> as soon as as soon as that happened i was like oh wow okay so they're 
they're really getting they're really getting uh, the the short end of the stick here and it, it's again and that was a really important lesson for me because i was like okay we need to design it in such a way that the defenders know or the uh, the de demo soldiers know when it's game on, like it's game on and you shouldn't hold back at all. But until that time, you need to give the other opportunity, the other team, as much opportunity as possible to avoid that, right? And give them the benefit of the doubt. But if they're just standing out in the open, yeah, if, <laughs> that's it, right? If they're playing and like trying to do the thing, give them latitude yeah. to, to do the thing. If they're just standing around like numpties, get them. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that also set the stage for future games because those players were like, oh, okay, we can't just mess around anymore because we're just going to get schwacked. Like, that's not, that's not the intent. Yeah, it was, it was so, I think, yeah. a good inducement to, like, um, engage serious mode, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, other, the other game mode that we tried that ultimately ended up being coined Mr. President. And this was based, again, on one of the missions that um, Jordan had described to me where they had to go and capture like a, like a VIP or whatever. But the VIP, unlike VIP games that we've done in the past, where the VIP is just being held by the other team, the VIP is actually a very important person. And the guards, therefore, report to the VIP. So he gets to move wherever he wants. He gets to go wherever he wants to go, and then the guards just need to arrange themselves in consequence. This means, for those who are paying attention, that the VIP can either make the lives of the defenders easier or more difficult, as he, she, or it feels like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in my case... We'd never inconvenience um, people, would we? Well, we played, we played a game uh, in and around the village, and we played in and around the road field. And... What was so one of the games and the defenders were lower, and then in, in the second game, the defenders were higher. And so, this was a really good opportunity for me as a sort of a set piece of the game to modify my approach and sort of give the other team opportunities to, to utilize. So, as an example, I had the, the guards like you know, following me and you know, protect giving me protection or whatever. And I would go and I would like go look at stuff and I would stand and I would turn or I would talk to them so that they would have to face me so that they couldn't see what was going on behind them, that kind of stuff. And sometimes, uh, I did this in both games, when I saw or I suspected that there was an enemy player who was nearby, at least within earshot, I would say very loudly, hey, give me some space. I need to go relieve myself. Right. And then I would walk away from my guard detail and then go pretend to pee next to a wall or something like that, which in both cases would give the other team an opportunity perhaps to come and try to grab me or to try and take out the other team because I know that they're not, I'm not nearby. So they can, they can engage them without having to worry about hitting me or, or that kind of stuff. And sort of concurrently um, for those games, um, just because I enjoyed the hell out of it, mm -hmm. uh, I was left to be a nuisance for the attackers in kind of the same way. So if the attackers killed someone, I sort of, you know, wandered over and was like, yeah, drag you behind cover, tag you back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just like, and so, um, after, yeah. And after the game. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just, you know, because it was fun. Like after the game, one of the guys was like, Pat, did you tag people in that game? Yeah. I was like, oh, I thought that was your arm, but I was like, Pat's not playing. I'm like, he's got a coffee, and if I shoot his coffee, he'll be mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I was doing, uh, I was also making sure like on the fly, I was reviving people left and right, just to, to keep the, keep the situation going, keep people on their feet. I know that uh, in one of the games, defenders started doing really, really well. They, they killed a bunch of the attackers. So I sent the attackers to respawn, but to come right back in from their respawn. And that was to cool give the, thing. the defenders something else to do to keep it not just like a play test, but to keep it fluid. Like if this had been the scenario, I would have been like, all right, you're all dead. That's it. You know, like mission failed. That's but fine. A cool thing but with for, like, for this, it was a cool, cool dynamic. Yeah. Like a cool thing when we're playing with a small group of players who are all like there to try stuff and most of whom are like at least moderately experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like even a couple of players who were there who are, you know, new this season have played a lot this season. So yeah. when Phil and I just threw curveballs and were like, hey, we're gonna we're just gonna make the game go on and keep you continuing to adapt, they were like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Or like, give me more weird stuff. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I mean, I think both of those game modes were really fun. I think the feedback was positive. There's definitely, definitely a couple of things that that we want to tweak in terms of the field layout. And it's gonna be worthwhile testing them when there's actual foliage to help with concealment because definitely today, like <laughs> Even if they want to, it's it's almost impossible to hide. Whereas in future, right, in the summertime, there are situations where they would have been hidden with almost no effort. Like they would have been just blocked from sight, which keeps things interesting for the defenders and really gives new opportunities for the attackers. But in any event, I think it was cool as a bit of a season wrap up to to try those those types of games to give people something new to just sort of think about in terms of airsoft and i think that has been overall like the the motif or the theme of this year for airsoft for us like it's been a lot of new stuff you know it's been the first first time organizing ops in many years yep right and for the players in this community, like they've never experienced anything like this before un- until this year. I mean, aside from perhaps some of the more experienced players on some of the other teams, like there's very few people who play at Frontline regularly who've been playing Airsoft more than like five years. And yeah, that was right? one of the really interesting things for us to think about and like realize very early in the season was just, huh, the player base has actually... I won't say entirely, but a large chunk of the player base has cycled from the last time we um, really put a lot of time and effort into like running scenario games. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's that like we had fun last time, <laughs> um, obviously, you know, but it was sort of a like, oh, yeah, I mean, that was added incentive for us to do it again just because it's oh, a whole bunch of new people who haven't tried this stuff. Great. And also the people who are still around who were mostly like, yeah, let's do that again. You know, yeah. Um, and what's encouraging, I think, is that you know there is not just the, like there's there's a call for it or there's appetite for it. Like the feedback has been great and stuff, but I think people really rose to the occasion and surprised me in ways that I did not expect. You know, it's like we you know we made like D and D references and stuff, and like your players are, are like you can't create this like puzzle, and your players just don't do anything with it, or they're trying to solve it the wrong way. That's certainly there's some of that, but every now and then they do something that really is like, oh, I totally didn't expect that, and great, right? And so you yeah, apply. We, we've we get talked both about experiences, before. right? Like you know, because I mean, the the holy shit, my my players have completely outsmarted me, and I had no plan for this. Is also a D and D experience, um, yeah, and it was cool to uh, to have that sort of stuff happen. I mean, you know, just uh, at least one thing happened in the last scenario game that was like, I legitimately, like when Phil put that into the rules, I legitimately went, we don't need to worry about balancing this. It is not possible. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it was like, yep. so it was like, Hey, guess what? They just know Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, to, to your point, I think we've talked about this before the whole like uh, improvisational rule, like around yes. And right. I mean, we applied that multiple times throughout both ops. And that is a sign that you have, in my opinion, at the very least, a player base that is not just caring about the outcome of the game, like win or lose, but they're caring about the game. Like they're understanding what's occurring within the parameters of the mission, the objective, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they, they care about it, uh, which I thought was, was really cool. Right? And there, there was a lot of like improvising within the rules and trying to um, play as well as possible within the boundaries we gave them rather than trying to like go, go outside of those boundaries or like stretch our intent or anything like that. So people were very creative and also very sportsmanlike. And that's awesome. Yeah. I think, you know, looking back on it, there's definitely things that, that we want to improve. Uh, obviously there's feedback that we've received from players to, to make changes, which we always onboard whenever it's actionable and makes sense. Uh, you know, and some of the things of it was useful, like, yeah. And some of it may seem innocuous or like, just like, really, that's something you want, you, you want to bring up. Okay. But when you think, when you stop to think about it, if they took the time to tell you about it, it's at least worth considering for you, whether that's something you want to write up. And one example of that was that there was one person who said it wasn't fun um, playing with a team that were using programmable radios on frequencies that I couldn't access on my radio. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. I'd never considered it because, um, well, we only use FRS, GMRS frequencies. It's very easy not to think about it when it's not an issue. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But in this particular case, they were teammates who were using different. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, that makes total sense. So that's something that we incorporated into the guy, into the into the rules to make sure the players knew, like the expectation is if you have a programmable radio, you know what FRS and GMRS means. And we expect you to stay on those channels. Yeah. Done. You know, like that's, yeah. that's that. It was very easy for us to address. It's just one of those things like, oh yeah, we should do that. Yeah. And so we got a lot of really positive feedback. We actioned it. Like we changed the bandages as a result of the, the first round of bandages. People didn't like them as much. So we got these ones, uh, too many painkillers in the little bottles. Okay. We'll reduce that. Like, you know, all these kinds of things. So that's all, that's all great. Um, but I think in addition to that, one of the things that I really hadn't considered because, you know, as we've joked about on the podcast before, like with uh, Sam, when he was talking about like cost versus uh, UFS at like Iron Horse, he's not here for the lore and neither am I, right? Like I'm not here for the lore. I don't care about the specifics of, oh, well, you know, BLUE and RED are two different mega corporations that are looking for the fungus and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is some players actually care about that, right? For some players, it adds... Uh, motivation, incentive, it adds to the story, it adds to the why am I doing this aspect of it. And I think for next year, that's certainly something I'm going to spend a little bit more time fleshing out on, even though like it doesn't make a difference to me, it might make a difference to someone. And it, you know, doesn't cost me a whole lot to put a little bit of effort into into that aspect of things. And like, we're not, I think, over committing to the bit. Um so much as we are just going, well, this is, you know, a potential for added value and a place to have fun. Yeah. Uh, And I don't think, um, you know, I don't think we went overboard on doing it. And I think people responded to it pretty well. Um, You know, for our community at the moment, the sweet spot seems to be um, some role playing, but mostly of a sort that is like fun and easy to engage with. Yeah. Um, And I mean, honestly, 
A, that's fine. That's not super hard for us to do and is pretty fun. So 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think was also very important and, and, you know, to you, the listener, if this is something you've considered before, we absolutely did not want to use like country names. We didn't want to use like, uh, you know, like different factions that could be contrived or thought or as analogous to, oh, yeah, these guys are this country and these guys are that country. Because in order for us to keep this fun, we didn't want to bring any of that geopolitical baggage to the game. Yeah, right. It's a game. Let's want... keep the real world out of it. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, like, yes, you could say mega corporations and pharmaceutical companies are ruining. Okay, fine. Whatever. Yes. I don't necessarily agree or disagree. My point is giant mega corporations fighting for some sort of like pain killing fungus is not a thing. Right. <laughs> and as far as I know, it hasn't been a thing before. So, I mean, maybe it's in the future and whatever, but like for us, like this was a sort of a novel concept. We're like, okay, this is not related to anything. They've got wacky names that don't stand for anything other than it's a backronym for the color that they are. Great. Um, so this was very safe, right? I recognize that are the Nilsim games, it's really important to have factions people can like get behind and do impression kits and stuff. That is not our situation. And so to keep it fun, I think we were able to lean into something that was a little bit certainly not necessarily silly. I mean, although it did end up being silly on the day of, on the days of. But the concept itself is like, yeah, sure, fine. You know, it's cyberpunk, it's whatever. It's, it's something that you can get behind be, without bringing some baggage. Yeah, like, it's meant to be lighthearted enough that it's not weighing people down, but yeah. detailed enough that, you know, um, you are at least aware that your narrative is something other than just air quotes points, right? Yeah. And, you know, ultimately that we're, we're trying to build game modes that allow the kind of props that Airsoft uh, functions with without you know being unfun so yeah i think it's a matter of you know uh adding as much narrative as the community is interested in um i'm like do i have the inclination to try to grow that aspect of the community well sure right like we wrote more narrative for both games than i think we needed um but like part well, you certainly did i definitely did <laughs> well, you know but like partly why not you know yeah um so there's there's some fun there you know um i'm like at some point part way through the process of writing stuff for the first uh snare of the summer i literally was just like all right i'm just putting as many mushroom jokes into this as possible <laughs> yeah totally um, and and you know i think that's fun and honestly i did not think that people cared as much as they actually do in fact, you know, to be honest, I thought their level of caring would be zero. Like I thought, I thought nobody would give a crap about any of that stuff uh, in terms of the lore, like engaging with the role players, certainly. But like in terms of being like, oh, this is red team. This is blue team. This is what like I didn't think they would care at totally. all and that the effort would be sort of not really worth it. And I was actually completely wrong about that. I think that they cared a lot more. Not everyone. Certainly some people were just like, just sh show me where to shoot. Fair enough. But, but there were more people who cared about the overall lore than than I really did expect, which is kind of nice. Like, and again, it shows a success point for for this season. Yeah, I mean, if we get you know forty people, right, and you know five or six of them are like, "Oh man, I actually am into the lore." Great, you know, and I think we yeah. did better than that, to be honest. I agree. Um, you know, but like, yeah, I, I mean, from the point of view of the person writing the the nonsense that was our fiction, like, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I think partly like, you know, Phil alluded to like you know, cyberpunk nonsense. I'm like, well, you know, 
uh, you want me to write a weird, a like fighty story with automatic weapons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and do. <laughs> yeah. Have a job. I think one, <laughs> one of the other big successes for us this year with respect to the ops and the community just in general is, or has been like creating media around these events and stuff. I think thanks to Jason's work with video with drones uh, and, you know, uh, me editing and sort of the content creation engine that I've got going, it's been, we've been able to create very as, uh, you know, far be it for me to say it, but I do think very good quality content that showcases how good these events have been and how fun they have been for the community. And in a way that, you know, people look at this from the outside and go, wow, that's potentially a game that I would like to play. That's a, that's a field that I'd like to play on. And I think we take that for granted. And in many cases, we even look at our field and go, oh, it sucks. It's not good and stuff. But that's not the case, right? I think we're we're very fortunate to have for, you know, that particular field, for all the good and ill that, that comes with it. Um, we're very fortunate to have that as a place to play because it is, you know, it is cool. Um, it's a different story if you're playing there every single week, multiple times per week, every single week for the summer, like it's a different conversation, but for these types of events, it's, it's really interesting. So ultimately I think being able to create that media and create a sense of like buzz and engagement or whatever you want to call it around that was also a really big success this year. And it's not that we haven't created media because obviously we've created lots of media in the past, but I think the quality of, of the footage this year has really stepped up one notch. Uh, that allows us to make stuff that and is a lot more eye-catching. Totally. And, it, you know, it's one of those things where um, our tools for that have gotten better. Uh, and uh, I think the skill of the people playing around with the images, which is almost entirely Phil, um, you know, is up to working with the better image quality and stuff that we have. So that's been, um, like, I'm speaking as someone who's completely uninvolved other than talking about it and engaging with it as a, as a person who enjoys seeing <laughs> yeah. it. Like, that's been really cool. Um, you know, I, uh, I particularly think that the, uh, the drone footage is just from a, from a point of view of like, man, that's, that's a new thing. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and like, um, Phil has played around with, uh, with drones, like quite a few years ago. Um, and, uh, seeing where they have come technologically in terms of like size and camera quality is like, damn, yeah, that's night and day. It's not even comparable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's been really, really fun. Um, additionally, a little bit weird because I'm definitely not used to having, uh, that noise wandering around the field or like hanging out, coming to hang out behind my head and just be like, yeah, yeah. Fong, stop definitely me. takes a little bit of getting used to, <laughs> you know, um, but it's really cool. <laughs> so overall, I think from that standpoint, really successful, I think community building season, really successful event running season, um, very successful season, very successful airsoft year in terms of storm riders, like content generation as well. But let's talk about you now. So how do you feel your airsoft season sort of went in terms of your own goals, your own expectations for this year? Where'd you land on all of that? So um, definitely a mixed season for me, um, if I'm being honest. So like my health has been eh, um, over the last few months. Uh, so I haven't gotten to play as much as I would like. Bottom line. Um, I still did make it out to a few games. Um, you know, a lot of my goals um, at the beginning of the season involved trying various pieces of kit, really trying new guns, getting new guns working. Um, so 
uh, from a, you know, tech and crazy things Pat was building at the beginning of the season standpoint. Um, some good, some bad. Uh, so I did get everything working. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I end the season with uh, an LMG that has a HPA engine in it that I'm really quite happy with. Um, you know, running um, a box mag that I've just installed a LiPo battery in because um, I wasn't sure if it would explode, but I was curious to see if it would work. And it was, the battery pack was dead and getting a new one was going to cost me almost as much as getting a new box mag. So the hell with it. Uh, mm -hmm. So that worked. Uh, the LMG is in, in pretty good shape and I'm definitely really happy with it. Um, I just find it way more comfortable than I expected to use. Uh, I find it easier to like cart around and tote around than I was expecting. So I'm, I'm quite happy with that project's outcome. Definitely a lot of man hours to get it working. Definitely a lot of profanity, uh, especially um, this just before the game this past Friday night when I realized that my... Uh, regulator was creeping uh joules and that i are creeping um pressure and that i wouldn't be able to really use it very much or do very much playing <laughs> on saturday um but the last time i played while there was snow on the field i like wiped out and just destroyed myself so i was sort of not that enthused about playing a ton uh when i got out this true. weekend because i like my limbs air, uh, some air quotes working <laughs> as well as they yeah. do yeah, I remember um, uh, last time, last game of the season last year or something, like you went into the village, slipped and ate shit. So I, yeah. I totally don't, I, uh, I don't fault you for not wanting to repeat that performance. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't great. Um, I got the yeah. Scorpion working as well. Uh, that was a neat project just in the sense of like, definitely some irritation, but like it, you know, took it apart, put it back together. Realize you put it back together wrong, take it apart. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, this is how we learn to, uh, do stuff with their soft decking. Um, but that also, um, came out really, really well. I'm really happy with the performance of it. Um, the build worked pretty much exactly how I wanted to, uh, I'm going to sell that over the winter because I, it's just too small for giant ogre me. What can you do? Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, I'm definitely calling it a win in terms of getting it working. Um, yep, and getting definitely. it like the, the previous owners had done just not nice things to it and treated it very poorly. Uh, and now it's primo. So like, um, that's been really good. Um, I've had to, and gotten to get over my fear of taking apart my regulator. So like, um, you know, cause even though I, I sit here and go, oh yeah, like there aren't fairies in, in these things, like there's no magic to it. Um, you know, I'm I'm very aware and very much experienced with these sort of like, um, this cost me money and I would like to not break it and I'm going to take it apart now. Hee <laughs> hee. Right? Like that, yeah. that is a thing. Never gonna tell you that that anxiety is not a real thing or uh or a thing to like, you know, struggle with, but it's definitely also a thing to get over. Uh so I've got a um a rebuild kit for that coming in the mail and I'll probably in a week or two we'll do another <laughs> record another podcast and I'll be like, Yeah, I figured out how to how to put new o-rings into that and it works now i hope <laughs> um, yeah so the the tech and kit aspect of things has been really helpful um i had a really like i don't want to say frustrating because it wasn't frustrating but sort of a like huh, moment um after the game on the drive home which was that i basically played um like three or four games at all this year with and i don't mean like days i mean like individual rounds of airsoft with my primary um which given how good my primary is and how much I like it is kind of a travesty. Um, Definitely. And uh, that kind of like thinking about that sort of put me in a, like maybe um, 
I hesitate to say sensible because you've all met me, but a slightly more reasonable place about like the idea of building more guns in the future. Um, so my, uh, like when I eventually do sell the Evo, I want to put the money into airsoft stuff. Um, if I can manage to like keep it all there. Um, so like I have a few things that I want to pick up, um, in terms of like maybe some additional like types of camo Phil has corrupted me, um, <laughs> entirely, uh, yep, you know, yep. and I, uh, we've talked a couple of times, um, over the summer, uh, about the fact that like, and really, uh, over last season that I didn't really run my sidearm at all. Um, that is because my sidearm requires me to spend money on a holster for it. There isn't really a sensible reason that I haven't done that other than like, eh, definitely going to get that done over this down season just because like, is it critical? Hmm. Do I need it all the time? Yeah. Do I love the PX4? Yes. Should I be carrying it to games? See my last response, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of I think the... It's... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I just think it's really fascinating when you when you think about it. And I'm sure that, you know, you, the listener, are probably, or might have had situations like Pat's where you have, like, a primary, you have maybe a project gun, whatever. And the fact that you're actually completing a project gun is no, no shortage of a minor miracle, let's be very honest. But, it doesn't seem to be entirely common. I do usually manage to complete them, but I also sell them pretty quickly while, once I've done well, them. Well, okay, and I mean, just it project guns in general as well like yeah. people tend to pick up project guns and not and not finish them it's like project cars so i'm told but my point of all this I, I is less about the project, project cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that too. uh but it's less about sort of that Laps and more about the models. fact that let's look at the amount of time that you've spent teching and upgrading your your replicas whether that's your and i'm going to call like your actual replicas because the evo i know you like as soon as you use it, you're like, I'm not keeping this. Like, it's not the right fit for me. Fine. But let's look at your LMG. Let's look at your, your 416. 416? Yes. 416. Uh, so your LMG, your 416, your, you can call your PX4, whatever. You look at those ones, and you look at how much time you've put into them versus how much airsoft you've actually played with them. And the teching, the, the amount of teching, the teching load vastly outclasses the amount of time that you've actually played them. And this is not a slight, but it's an observation because I think many of us fall into the same trap, which is that we work and we work and we work and we're prioritizing uh, all this airsoft teching. And ultimately the payout may not be there in terms of hours played. So if that's not going to be the case, which, which it wasn't for you this year, you have to make sure that you're getting the enjoyment elsewhere, I guess is where, where my mind is going. Totally. This, and right? like, I will say, you know, like, I'm not bummed about not having used no. the used the M27 uh M27 as much right. as I'd like beyond like yeah it would be great to get more games it's more of a like you know I was like oh should I like try to build something new over the winter and I'm like you know what I have this wicked gun that I love gaming and I haven't used it right mm -hmm. I haven't actually put in that much trigger time on it um most of my trigger time has been actually on the scorpion um because I wanted to both test it and so that like you want to make sure it's working fine to sell. And agree, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I wanted to make sure I wanted to sell it, right? You know, so I've I've chewed on that a whole bunch. Um, and there's a been a bunch of like just getting the bloody LMG to shoot properly, <laughs> which has involved yeah. some testing and as Phil can attest, some choice words. <laughs> um, you know, but like the LMG was a like I'll be honest with you, uh, I have wanted a HPA M two four nine since I found out what a HPA M249 could do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, 
And I would have been super disappointed if I'd finished building it and was like, okay, this thing isn't fun. Yeah. Or this thing like isn't a gameplay experience I enjoy. You know, like if I if I felt that it was like, okay, this is not any better than the M27 for anything. Um and the answer is that in reality it's not better than the M27 for most things. <laughs> um yeah. like just uh if you were going, oh Pat, like what do you think is 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 the best option yeah okay i i will take my highly accurized beautifully precise m27 over anything i've got and probably anything you've got <laughs> you know like and i don't mean that as like a slight to other people's stuff it's, just, it's exactly where i want yeah. um you know um everything else either is some sort of weird side grade or a cosplay choice <laughs> you know um like um would I build a nice like early 2000s era M4 with an underslung 203 again? Yeah, kinda. Um, do I have the $1,200 plus grenade shells to do? No. <laughs> Is that happening? Yeah. Mm, not anytime soon. Um, you know, the 249 was genuinely just something that I wanted to do for a really long time. And I'll be honest with you, it is super fun. <laughs> like, definitely. It was a pain in the ass to get working, but that was cool too. I genuinely enjoyed mostly fixing it and getting it working. Um, you know, I asked a lot of questions in the Discord. Uh, like, thank God for Chaz and everyone in there. <laughs> They've been so helpful. Uh, I did a lot of stun stuff, but like, at the end of the day, if Phil looks at me and goes, hey, Pat, I've decided I want a electric engine in my rifle for next season instead of the Kythera, which I don't think is likely, but just for pretend, I can do that. No problem. Right? Yeah. So um, I enjoyed the uh, technical challenges of putting it together, even though I had days and episodes of this where I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and the outcome is absolutely like um you know gaming it is hilarious uh steph just like walked off with it at the scenario and ruined people's day for a while and was like this is amazing and i just got to stand there and laugh while people ran away from him <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i remember that yeah you know and like um the the pucker factor of just the amount it puts down range and the fact that it's actually for a hpa gun pretty loud i think it's the short barrel on it um but like it is fun. And it, and it gives you something to look forward to next season as well. I think there's a lot to be said about going into the off season and not being like, okay, what do I need to sort out? What do I need to fix with my kit before next season? Because it's not like, especially for us, like we know it's like you've got, you know, December, January, February, March, April, let's say. You got five months. Yep. It's not like you're looking at this going like, Oh my God, sword Damocles, I'm never going to get it done. Five months is tons of time to get whatever you need done. Yep. Um, guaranteed you leave it till May, but regardless. Um, Look, you know, so usually you're not going I usually get some like, stuff done. <laughs> I, I was talking about me, but yeah, fair point. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you're not looking at this going like, oh my God, like what do I got to do, et cetera. It's like, no, like I'm feeling really good. I'm excited about using this next season. I'm not worried about all the things that have to happen between now and then to be able to enjoy myself next year. Yeah, man, like I'm, um, I'm genuinely yeah. in a sort of, you know, I have a couple of things I want to pick up for like quality of life stuff. So like I want holster for the PX4. Um, I have a couple of like, I mean, I have to fix my uh, regulator. Um, I 
am considering if I can sort of squirrel away the money, getting a second regulator. Um, we've both got spare tanks. So like just having another one in case of bullshit seems like a idea that just it, for some reason it recently became relevant to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you yeah. Know. Two is two is what is it? One is none. Uh, two is one and one is none. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, I'm going to look into that uh, over the winter and sort of think about like, do I want another, a second uh, red line or like the, um, the Polar Star mini ones seem to be more reliable. They don't work, perform, they don't perform quite as well, but they're uh, a little more bomb proof. So like maybe I have one of each on them. Um, I'm still thinking that through. Um, but, um, you know, and I want to pick up some, some M90 and maybe, um, I've, I've been just kind of low key in love with multicam tropic for a couple of years and I haven't bought any cause I was like, eh, and John's a filthy enabler. And when I mentioned it to him, he's like, oh, that'd work great here in the summer. And I'm like, yeah, my credit yeah. card is yeah. like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's buckling from the weight. Like, no, John, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I think overall, I mean, you got a pretty solid plan for the off season. I think that the biggest thing that needs to happen next year is, just more games. We got to get you out to more games. Hopefully your body cooperates. There's not a lot that, yeah, you know, like the... uh, without getting into any details, which we don't need to, uh, but like, I think there's, there's a lot to be said about just, you know, some people who are not physically capable. Like, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like me with a broken rib. Like I'm not going to go out there and force people who aren't feeling well to play. It's just unfortunate when you don't have the opportunity. So hopefully, you know, if you are in a similar situation to Pat and that you're, uh, your, you know, your health is not where you need to be. In, and there's options, hopefully there's options out there for you that you can sort of chase that, that down and get improvement in answers. Like I know Pat, again, not going to go into details, but uh, like Pat has been doing, which hopefully will mean that this time next year we'll be having yeah, like, man. oh yeah, I if, played, uh, you know, twice if, as much. If things are not, right? if things are affecting combat readiness, talk to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Whether it's because your ribs seem to be very fragile for some reason or, you know, anything else. Um, you know, it's, especially if you, if you have a, if you have that opportunity, it's, you know, it's, Absolutely. as you get older, for sure. Like I'm not, uh, not getting any younger and I'm certainly certain to feel it now in terms of injury. Yeah, I mean, we got to take care of ourselves more than we are used yeah. to, I think. But yeah, guys, like this, this has been a really successful season for us. We're glad to have been able to share some of the highlights for you this week. Next week, we'll be back at you with another podcast. It is my birthday next week. So I'm very excited about that. I'm going to be officially when you're older. Um, and uh, I, I've let Pat in charge, so I don't know what the plan is for next week, but uh, hopefully you will find out then. We'll see, Guys, you. We'll see you next week for Yeah, fun. thank you so much for listening. <laughs> we really appreciate uh, the listens. If you haven't joined us on the Discord, what are you waiting for, man? I can only say it so many times. Uh, we'd love to have you there. Thank you so much again for listening, and we'll talk to you next have week. Have a great week, everyone.